welcome to our podcast. Not prod. I can't. It's a pod. I think I think I need to teach language with knowledge right about now. Let's try that one again. Hello, SL peeps. Welcome to True Confessions with Lisa and Sarah. Okay, can start confessing now. This is so cheesy. <laughs> kit it's a go it's go time <laughs> that was really special and a unique way to start this episode I after 23 that. episodes of hi sarah hi lisa now we're gonna do something different well some people might be on their morning commute i just want to give them a little like jolt of wtf in the morning <laughs> <laughs> so anyways this is one of those awesome days in the confessional that it's not just you and me and those are the good days. Yes. Because I get sick of looking at your face. I was thinking I get sick of hearing your voice, so it's a good balance. Yeah, perfect. So, on that note, let's introduce our amazing guest today. Please do. Who I've had the pleasure of knowing for several years now. Yeah. The one, the only, Amy Hill. <laughs> ah. Welcome. Sounds, sounds like we have like a clap track I know. That. that was us actually clapping people, not a recording. So, Welcome I... to the confessional, Amy. Hello. Welcome. I'm you so have, excited. Are you? Do you know I what am. you got yourself into? Not quite. I'm a little scared. <laughs> a little nervous. <laughs> Do I know where I'm at? Yeah. Yeah, I know. You And you never know what you're going to get. I know. It's you guys. I know. And it is. It, that in and of itself is always scary. But then, too, it is we barely prefaced anything other than what we'd like to talk about. So, Which is what? Um, what are we talking about? SLPAs. Oh, Supervision. Yes. Supervision. Oh, that was my head. <laughs> How'd that feel? Let's cut that part out. Yeah. Um, supervision of SLPAs, because I know I was even thinking of what our confession would be for today. And I know there are a lot of SLPs that are nervous of SLPAs even being in our field and don't know if they can even do the job that we would do. And so that's kind of what I wanted to talk about today. Is, is that the biggest problem with an SLPA? It's one of the is problems. Is that the SLP doesn't trust it? There are people I just that don't, don't think they know what them. to do with them. It, whether that they don't know or they just don't want to know. Really? Yes. I think there's some of both. Yes. Yeah, I would not. I wouldn't have expected the biggest problem with SLPAs to be that SLPs don't want to use them. I was thinking there isn't enough of them, and we don't know how to use them well. So let's preface this conversation too with a little bit about Amy and her background. Yes. So, and do you want me to do it, or do you want to hey, dive let's in? See if you can do it. Oh gosh. Yeah. Why did I even offer to do that? Let's hear her bio. Go. All right. She was born in <laughs> Alabama. <laughs> Just kidding. Actually, Colorado, right? Colorado. Yes. There you go. See you. She's born in Colorado. Okay. She is a rock star. I don't even know, like, how... Do you drink a lot of Red Bull? Like, how do you do all the things that you do? Right. I've had some Red Bull in the past, but... <laughs> so, I met Amy when we worked in a school district, and then you provided us contracted speech-language pathologists for that. Yes. So, that's how we originally got introduced then come to find out that Amy was the former president of our state organization, ARSHA. She is currently, what is even your role at Estrella Community College? What's that called? So I am faculty and program director for the SLPA program there. So giving her some street cred there. And clearly the right person to have in the confessional for this topic. Right. So that's awesome. And your current role. So I am also the executive manager 
of of a therapy company. Um, so I provide um, all the clinical support services for um, Light Street Special Education Solutions and support all of our SLPs, SLPAs, OTs, PTs, special ed teachers. And that's why I thought you were the perfect person for this topic because not only have you supervised SLPAs yourself and you're the head of the program at a local community college here in the Valley, but also you've worked with a lot of teams that are working within that framework of SLPAs are providing a lot of services. Yeah. Yeah, I have quite a few teams that are SLPA, SLPA teams, and also OT-CODA teams. So, you know, when you look at a team of professionals, in a way, they all operate the same way, and we have a lot to learn from the OT and PT fields and how they work with their assistants. Because that's been longer that they've right. been using them mm-hmm. so they I think their roles just seem to be more clearly defined maybe they are the licensure and and um education of them is more established yeah and it's more set with like the national associations which is coming for speech but okay. um codas are recognized by their national associations PTAs are recognized by their national associations so um, coming soon, um, ASHA is in the process of doing a national certification for SLPAs that is supposed to begin rolling out in 2020. Oh, that's which really is soon. Next yeah. year. Yeah. It's soon, but at the same time, now I'm thinking we're, we, everybody else has been doing this and we haven't been. Well, they had a guidance document. So they ha- it's like one of those things where they talked about sort of the recommended do's and don'ts mm-hmm. for working with SLPAs. And that's been around since what, about 2002, maybe? Yeah. And they revised it. Yeah. But the situation with SLPAs is that even though ASHA has these recommendations, it's regulated by states, the licenses. Mm-hmm. So some states, like I know our state. Has a license, yeah. Some ha- states have a registration, some right. do a certification, some have nothing, some require a bachelor's, some require an associate's degree, some require on-the-job training. Interesting. So, so because it's not uniform, I think that's part of where there's been this sort of imbalance of people. Like even in my role, when I was trying to get supports for SLPs in our district, it was you might get an SLP that comes in and supports your caseload, or you might get an SLPA. And some people were like, awesome. Even And that was my experience when I started. I was like, I never have worked with an SLPA, but I'm just thankful for help. And there are other people that were just like, I absolutely don't want to right. work with an SLPA. And I think because all the states are different, that's been what's hindered us for so long in having that whole disagreement between part of our field that says, I don't know if I want to work with one at all. They're taking my job and my role. Right. And then others that are like, I just need some help. Right. And I embrace that help. So right. it's definitely shifting toward that I need that help from what used to be, no, they're taking my job. Um, and I think because more states are designating the exact roles of SLPAs, that has helped. Um, but the biggest thing nationally is Medicare will never recognize any reimbursable provider unless you have a role right? Mm -hmm. So that's been what's impacted our field as a whole. So CODAs are recognized as a reimbursable provider because there's a national baseline establishment of what makes a CODA. Mm. So in, and that's kind of what finally came to ASHA was if we don't do something, we're never going to get reimbursement of SLPAs at a third party reimbursement level through Medicare and insurances. 
So um, Asha was like, wow, we should probably finally embrace this. And the right people are on our board right now. The right people are in the accreditation part. And um, the group that I sit on with all of the SLPA programs across the nation, we've been meeting for years. But finally, there's enough of us that are saying this isn't going away. We need to do something to begin recognizing this so that we can move forward at a national level. Interesting. Because I was going to say, one, I was an SLPA. And I th- honestly feel like I might have been one of the first in, in the district we worked in. Because I had just graduated with my bachelor's, and it would have been around 2004, 2000. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, fine. It was the first time I'd ever heard it was a, a job. Mm-hmm. I made, like, nothing, by the way. They are making a lot more now than I made when I started. <laughs> but it was amazing. I was like, oh, my gosh, I can work at, with the bachelor's? Because what the heck else right. do you do with the bachelor's in our field? I was so excited. And so I loved it. I... And then as an SLP, having SLPAs, I wasn't worried about them taking my job. I was worried that my job was only going to consist of paperwork and met right. uh, diagnostics. I was worried that that literally I was just going to be the one at the meetings writing all of the documents. Well, and I think different districts handle that differently. <clears throat> so, I mean, I've seen SLPAs used in some forms where they're the primary provider, and it is that the SLP is the evaluator and attending meetings and doing all of that. Um, that also, because it's not super structured and it can be different from school to school, district Mm -hmm. to district, that is, it can be a problem because you can have districts that say, well, I'm going to give you your regular caseload and these three SLPAs to supervise. And that is not doable. And in any good sense of the way, that's going to be good for students, good for the SLP, good for the SLPA. But, um, that's why I think we, when we get this kind of national certification, it should hopefully... Balance things. Balance things like that and alleviate some fears. And currently, SLPs can only work in schools or clinics as well. So they're not restricted to any setting, but the only settings that can really employ them are schools and then in Arizona, clinics and home-based because we have Medicaid billing that SLPAs are considered a reimbursable provider for. Mm -hmm. So that's... You know, so they can work anywhere that gets money that isn't from a third-party insurance, per se. (laughs) Um, And DDD is more of an access provider, so that's why SLPAs in Arizona can get reimbursement because DDD, that provides our funding for most home and clinic-based students, recognizes SLPAs as a reimbursable provider. And then the schools have Medicaid in the public schools, Mm -hmm. so they're they're recognized there. But there's nothing in any of the statutes or laws that prohibits they can't work in a hospital or they can't work in the skilled nursing facility. It's all a matter of why would I hire somebody I can't get reimbursed for? Right. Mm-hmm. And that makes sense. It does make sense. So thinking in terms of what SLPAs typically can and can't do, and again, this is different from state to state. Right. If there even is regulation, it's ASHA will even say if you call and, and ask any questions, they mm-hmm. defer to whatever the state say SLPAs can and can't do. Right. But um, what can we talk about as far as basics for somebody maybe who has not worked with an SLPA? So I always say there's three kind of basic things that all SLPAs do kind of across the nation that are probably pretty similar from state to state. Number one is treatment, mm-hmm. right? So providing treatment to those clients, to those students that are on the caseload. And then planning or doing lesson planning or prepping for those sessions and then doing the notes about those sessions. So when you look at that Mm -hmm. continuum, those are kind of their three primary roles is how do I look at this treatment plan developed by an SLP, pick the materials, pick the activities to then target, do that target, 
and then keep that data and documentation to then report back to my SLP to then decide where do we continue to keep going. So never evaluation from terms of eligibility or what's mm-hmm. going to happen next, but Correct. they can use their data to determine if their treatment is effective. Right, with their SLPs. With so their they SLP. can't do the interpretation of it, but they can say, here's the data I've gathered, and then the SLP can look at it and say, okay, are we ready for a new goal? Or, wow, are we off base and do we need to try this other way to target therapy? Or maybe, you know what, that strategy you're working for, working at with R isn't working at all. Let's try this one. Um, and then that SLP and SLPA should have that open communication collaborative relationship of what am I doing in therapy as an SLPA? Is it making a difference? And if not, then what do we need to do to change that mm-hmm. and have that ongoing discussion about all the clients, all of the students that are on there? So that's the idea of supervision is supposed to provide that balance of if you do have that fear of is the SLPA working with my caseload or students effectively, that's where supervision should alleviate that. Because if you are providing that supervision, you would know if something's working, not working and be there to able to be able to support the SLPA. What's the requirement for supervision? Of course, very state to state okay. and with ASHA. So each state determines that. So in Arizona, um, your first 90 days of employment, there's 20% at minimum for direct, 10% indirect. But they're always 100% of the time being supervised and overseen by an SLP. So that's something some people get into the minutia of, well, I only need to see them 10% and 20%. But no, you're responsible for them 100%, 100% of their time. time. Yeah. It's just you are required to provide direct supervision for a minimum of that and indirect for a minimum. But really, their whole, whatever their hours are that they're employed for a week, you're providing their oversight. Um, ASHA has that that verbiage, something like under the direction of. So mm -hmm. anybody that's working under the direction of the licensed certified SLP, whether that be an SLPA or a graduate student or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever the case may be. That is, you need to be ensuring that you're giving enough supervision right. to meet the... I think right. that's where it gets a little tricky and messy. Yeah. It is. I Absolutely. got really lucky because I was always in the room with my SLPA. Yes. We were on the same campus. Yeah. So lucky. So I wasn't always like fully watching her because I was catching up on paperwork or doing whatever, but I could hear, I could see, I could jump in if I needed to. She could come ask me questions if she needed to. Um, but that's not always the case, right? They can right. be on a campus alone mm-hmm. with an entire caseload. Well, yes. So the SLP is still the person with the caseload, but could they be there providing therapy pretty much independently for the majority of their week? Yes. Mm. After they've been employed for 90 days, then their minimums drop to 10% and 10%. So when you think about 10% of your services or even your hours that you're working for a week, that's not a lot. Um, And that's where a lot of SLPAs kind of get discouraged because they're like, well, my SLP has their own job per se, and they only come see me every Monday for eight hours or whatever. Okay, well, they don't see me the other days. And I think that's the hardest part is that as a supervisor, you have to think about how do I still see my SLPA with all of my clients at some point and some frequency? How do I make sure that they're following the treatment plan? How do I review these notes? And I think that's the biggest challenge for SLPs is to figure out how do I do this supervision? Mm -hmm. And it doesn't always have to be me sitting in the room. I mean, I've used things like Zoom, Skype, FaceTime, and I've 
you know, called in and looked at, okay, let me see you work with Johnny and then I can help troubleshoot this thing that you're, is happening right now. Yeah. Um, but a lot of people don't think about how do we use technology to provide better supervision? Right. Well, and it's a, so it just maybe to back up a little bit too, to define direct and indirect supervision, yes. <laughs> direct is in the moment supervision where I can provide feedback based on what I'm seeing in this moment yeah. versus indirect is basically everything else. So it could be reviewing Correct. notes. Reviewing notes talking about the lessons, reviewing text, emails, all of those forms of communication that we do with our um, SLPA. Reviewing a recorded session. Mm -hmm. So I can't give you feedback in the moment, but if like maybe your SLPA says, I'm really having a really difficult time with this student, they could record it and show it to you and then you provide that feedback. Yeah, and then with the direct, um, you know, from state to state, one of the things that varies even between a state and ASHA is whether telepractice is considered direct. Um, So that you always have to look at whatever your state says um, because some people interpret direct being, okay, if it's a synchronous session where I'm there with the student as an SLPA and my SLP is also on the same session, that should count as direct. Mm -hmm. And when you look at ASHA, it absolutely does. But for example, here in Arizona, we have a statement in our statute that says direct means on-site, in view. And our attorney general in Arizona has decided that that means physical presence in the same room. That's really hard. So if there's somebody doing telepractice, they then have to figure out how do I get in that same room with that student at some point, (laughs) which makes it even more challenging, especially with all of the rural and urban areas around our nation with the student or the SLPA? That's the, always the question, too, because it's a gray area of oh, who do I need to be there tough. with. Right. Yeah. You would think if the supervision is of the SLPA, it would be of, I would be in the right. same room as the SLPA. So this is might be the, some of the stuff that we'll, we'll get, hopefully, more guidelines for with this new ASHA certification, right? Yeah, and I think once national certification comes, every state's then going to have to look at how do I fit with this? And then some changes will probably then unfold state to state based on how that rolls out. Yeah. Which um, we know so far about the national certification as far as are they going to be paying an annual fee like, like SLPs? Yep, so my understanding is they would take a, something similar to a praxis exam. So there will be some national test okay. that rolls out first. So that's what's supposed to come hopefully by the end of 2020. So that would be step one. So then they would take this national assessment. If they meet whatever the passing score is, then they would be a member of ASHA and have some type of a certification that's a national national credential okay. like we have. And then from there, then they'll look at, do we need to put in any educational requirements is my understanding, which it sounds like it would be similar to an associate's level type of entry. If you have above that, great. But you, if you're a state that has just on-the-job training, that probably won't fly anymore mm-hmm. once everything comes out. Okay. And then with that, I'm sure that they would then make recommended language for states for all of the pieces of everything that have always been in their guidance documents all along, but haven't been required. But they would probably be provided more as, here's state X, look at this, and see if you need to make any changes. So to work as an SLPA, then you will have to be accredited. There's not going to be anybody grandfathered in. There's not... I'm sure there will be a grandfather in 
with, as with anything, my guess is if you can pass the test, educational requirements would be grandfathered in for a period of time. Mm-hmm. And then at some point, anyone after that would have to meet. Similar to what they did when they started licensure here mm-hmm. in Arizona. There was a period of time where you could grandfather in certain things. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that they would have to do that. I loved the comment you made very early in this conversation about how we need to look at other professionals and figure out how they're doing this and making it so successful. Um, and so, and because I did want to talk about like any recommendations you have for what is the best way we can work with SLPAs. Because I will tell you, I loved ha- I loved being one, but I also loved having them. I do know where I was weak, which would have been in the training of said SLPAs. I was fortunate enough that they were super competent, and so I just let them run with it. You know, and I would stop things if I needed to once in a while, but for the most part, I don't think I gave them the support they needed. Well, and it's hard, too, because I hope that something they consider in this process is, what if an SLPA is new to me? What are some supports and training documents and um, courses and those sort of things that will help me be a good supervisor? Yeah. So, yeah, there's two, that's probably a twofold question then. So, what does make a good supervisor? And then, two, how do we best utilize yeah, I'd like you to actually name some names of some really crappy supervisors. <laughs> <laughs> Throw some of them under the bus. They're probably listening. Yeah. Just kidding. We only right. have like 10 listeners. You're fine. No, but I think, again, going back to that, you have supervised yourself several SLPAs, and then you also manage these teams of SLPs and SLPAs. There's got to be sort of some common mistakes that yeah. you yeah. see that could be avoided with wine. Most of them. Yeah. yeah. Or how is it? How does it work so well for occupational therapists and physical therapists? Like, what? There's got to be some secrets here. Yeah, and I think the thing that I see um, in thinking about just all the SLPAs personally that I've supervised, there are ones where I've thought, "Oh my gosh, is this year ever going to end?" <laughs> and then there have been others where I've been like, "Wow, I can do this without this person." So I think we all have to think about our strengths at the time we're supervising because as SLPs. We also have many demands upon us, not only from our professional life, our caseload, the district we're in, the clinic we're in, wherever we're working has its own set of things that's pulling from us. And then we also have our personal life that's pulling Mm -hmm. from us, regardless of what, you know, you try to keep the two apart. So I think those two things always impact mostly communication with the SLPA. So I think some people, as an SLP, we talk fast. Right? Mm-hmm. We walk fast. We're pretty good. We pretty think quick. fast. We, we want things fast. to just happen. And I think we often overlook the simple of establishing a communication basis at the beginning of we need to have a conversation every week, every other week, and set it up right at the beginning and go over the expectations. Go over here's the scope of work. Here's in this setting, in this relationship, these are the things you're going to be doing. These are the things you're not going to be doing. This is what I'm going to be doing. This is what you're going to be doing. And just going through the entire scope of work on paper, I feel like really helps the SLP and the SLPA because it reminds you of the things they can't do by law. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it reminds you of the th- their role. And how you are the supervisor, that is your caseload. You're not turning it over to them. They are there to help you, and they are there to support you. And how do I take this individual's personality and their strengths and mesh them with my own? So I have some SLPAs who have been the most creative people in the entire world, but they were not good at organization, or they were not good at X. So thinking about how do I take what's your strength 
bring it into this relationship and how do I use my strengths to then help you grow? And that training piece that you mentioned is the biggest one because I think, again, SLPs, we're so used to everything that we're always being pulled to do and we're always the yes people who do too much and overextend ourselves and we don't think about how do I step back and make sure they know what it is that I'm expecting them to do And how do I make sure that they can always feel comfortable coming to me even if I forgot to do something? Right. And I need to be the one that's big enough to say, you know what, I didn't communicate well with you and how can we go back and fix this? Mm -hmm. Because it's never personal. Right. It's kind of like when you have an advocate involved with a kid on your caseload. It's not about me. But right. all the team gets all in an uproar yeah, about it. Yeah, feelings are involved. And, yep, and yep. People start just, to get hurt when get it has subjective. nothing to right. do right. with any individual person. It's about a parent trying to do the best thing for their child. Right. And this is the same thing. It shouldn't be personal. And that's what I try to tell my students is you need to go into these relationships and you need to come to where they are at and meet them and you need to be a little personable with them and share and granted you know you're not going to tell your supervisor your entire personal life but you have to have some give and take of establishing a relationship with that person and that's where I I sometimes see the failures in an SLP that doesn't want to I don't want to have any personal conversation with you I just want to keep this business but at the end of the day I need to know what do you like to do on the weekend? Right. Because then we can have a conversation. Have report. Right. We wouldn't ever start with a student and not build rapport first. Right. And we do it. And I was also going to say, the whole time you were describing that, I kept thinking, I am so loving and tolerant of my students. The yeah. things that I am willing to do right? and show and share and train and but teach. Adults. But a grown-ass woman, adult, right? my expectations are off the charts. And I think we're all really guilty of assuming knowledge. Right. I think we all assume that those people are competent and should know these things, which I didn't know shit when I was an SLPA. Right? It's actually embarrassing, but I'm a very good actress and faked it very well. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like, I didn't know anything. So you think I would really know what that SLP right. does and doesn't know and, and be willing and supportive. But I think... But the part of it is, it's not, it's the communication up front. So set the expectations, not just for the roles and responsibility, but I think moving forward, your expectations for communication, how often are we going to meet? Obviously we can meet in between then if um, needed, but then also even thinking about the personality differences in Mm -hmm. communication styles, right? Maybe I don't want you to call me. I just want you to send me a text if you're going to be five minutes late or if you can't, like those sort of things are things that... If you don't work that out in the beginning, Mm -hmm. then what happens is you work it out as it pops up and then you get some people that get really pissed because they just assume like, well, you should have known you were supposed to do this. And the other person's not even in that frame of mind. So that can cause tension. Their relationship can start to break down and, you know, the communication is key at the beginning and then throughout. Those expectations have got to be spelled out. We can't assume somebody knows how it is that you like to do things, especially SLPAs who've been around for a while and have worked with different personality types. Because we are similar in a lot of ways, but then a lot of us do do things very differently. And so I, those SLPAs that have to work with more than one SLP, I mean, God bless (laughs) them. Because I think it would be really, really tricky because everybody does things just a little bit different. Mm -hmm. I I always wonder too, I think I was really probably lovely to work with. (laughs) 
<laughs> I think I have a lot of fun. I don't think any of my SLPs would have been like, she's an asshole. I don't know. Maybe they would have. But I'm sure there are. SLPs are real type A and a little territorial. Yes. Yes. So don't you think, I mean, do you have those issues where you've got SLPs calling you and telling you that the SLP is real difficult? Or vice yes. versa, the SLP that says, I can't work with this person, I've seen but both. doesn't recognize mm-hmm. that it's probably them. Yes. Okay. I've Has, seen both. Yeah. Yeah, because some SLPs are like, oh, they're doing this, they're doing that. And when you have a simple conversation and say, well, have you talked with them about that? Many of them are like, well, no, they should know that. Right. Yeah, that's not a... And the same as an SLPA, a lot of times they're intimidated to bring something up that maybe they aren't comfortable asking about because they see us in there as a professional. And that's where I think going back to the OT field and the PT field and even thinking about doctors and everyone has some kind of an assistant that helps them, right? But in our field, we all take everything so personally, mm-hmm. whereas the other fields, I feel like, always look at it from a professional aspect. We're in a professional right. relationship. That you are my assistant. It's what's best for kids. Right. Yes. And we're both doing what's best. So come to me. And I feel like because they have a different thought in mind at the beginning, and it's more professional healthcare mindset, not school touchy-feely I don't want to hurt somebody's feelings yeah isn't it fascinating like for people who are professionals in communication we're terrible communicators sometimes Sometimes. yes and in this situation it's very interesting I don't know what it is about that but Lisa and I had the privilege of going to an SLPA class at um ASU, a group of SLPAs, it was one of the classes they were taking, and one of them was telling um, an experience they had had with a really difficult SLP and how um, she won't listen, and she's, what was she saying, do you remember? It was very territorial sounding to me. personally, and I think so that it's not just that the SLPs can take things personally. She took it super personally. Everybody that was listening to her story could hear that, and they were actually giving her feedback, the students were. But it was funny because she goes, yeah, I, I think what I'm going to do next time is I'm so just going to tell, tell her. her like that with blah, an blah, attitude, blah. I was like, oh. And the minute she did it, I literally was like, um, I'm going to go with, you don't ever tell your SLP anything because we just, we don't do well with that. Right. So it does, you've got to have good communication. And talk to, don't tell talk, anybody exactly. anything. It's you're talking right. about right. expectations from both sides. And so the SLPA should be prepared as well, and maybe this is something that you have to guide them into feeling comfortable sharing, but they you need to know what their strengths and weaknesses right. are. You need to know what they need more support in. If even like basic right. things like I had one SLPA that I was working with that I had ED um, camp or students classrooms on my campus, and there was a kid that had a meltdown, and I was working on my computer, and then all of a sudden it's like you tune in, and I was like, oh crap, she's escalating this. And, um, so I helped her like de-escalate it. The kid left and I, she had been in SLPA for 15 years in the district. And so I said, have you ever worked with kids with ED before? And she goes, no. Yeah. And I was like, oh my gosh, that should have been something we talked about at the very beginning. I assumed because she had so many years of experience, this was right. an area that she had an experience in. And she never and said that, I didn't. She didn't. Right. She and never said so, I'm not comfortable doing that. I've never done it. Or maybe you don't even understand what you don't know. So yeah. that right. should be something as SLPs. We I should have already said, like, these are the this is what my caseload exists of. Have you worked with students like this before? Tell me, you know, what you're comfortable right. with. Let's set some goals of of way of how you can grow your knowledge beyond just working. Mm-hmm with students and learning that way. But it's one of those simple things where I'm like, somebody could have gotten hurt that day. And thankfully that didn't happen, but it was just something, a simple question. And I had assumed that she had worked with um, 
kids with emotional right. disabilities before and she hadn't. Right. Well, the other thing in our field that when you think about it, no one taught us in grad school, hey, you're going to have to supervise somebody right. one day and think this is what you need to know. Right. But in some of the other allied health fields, they do that. And that's where, you know, in some of my discussions with some of the graduate programs, that's definitely an area that they're trying to improve on. Because at the end of the day, everybody graduating now will supervise somebody at some point. And they will probably supervise interns, um, CFs, and SLPAs. Yeah, which I have done all three by this point. And it is all three very different experiences. Right. Yeah. But some people think, oh, it's all the same, but it's it's not. They're all three very different mm-hmm. experiences. And I think as a profession, we haven't done a good job of creating continuing education for our supervisors or our supervisees like an SLPA is. How do you advocate for help if you need it with your SLP? Right. Especially if you have 15 years of experience. And think about it. Every one of us is SLPs. Every time we come into something, it's like, oh, I've been doing this for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Who am I going to ask this question? Because we should know it all, right? 100%. And we have trouble with it. So how can we not expect... I never want to look stupid. How can we not expect our SLPA to be in that same frame of mind when they're like, I don't know how to do this. How um, do I, I couldn't ask treat them? an R very well five <laughs> years in, and I think this SLPA who just finished her schooling a month ago is going to know how to do it. <laughs> I mean, seriously. Right. Right. So we know communication is key. Are there any other tools or tips or things that you've seen over the years that you feel have fostered like a good um, dynamic with SLP, SLPA teams? Definitely when it comes to paperwork, because I think the other big challenge is because as a supervisor, you might not always be on your campus, but you should always know what's happening on that campus with that SLPA. So I think sometimes the paperwork is a challenge. And where are their notes? Where are their lessons? Where are all these things housed? Is somebody doing it in a book (laughs) that's that's on their table? Um, Are they using Google Docs? So definitely what I've over the last few years there are two things that, I mean, as any supervisor, supervisee, my CODAs that I work with, um, the PTAs we use, and the SLPAs, we all use Google Docs mm-hmm. where we can all have access to seeing their In notes. real time. In real time. Awesome. Um, same thing with their schedules, with all of their progress um, updating of their daily notes, like their summaries, everything that we do we try to do in that type of a framework so that the supervisor and the supervisee can always see it. Same thing with logging supervision, which is another thing that a lot of people don't think about is I should be logging all these things and all these interactions, but how do you do it efficiently? Right. Well, in Arizona, it's under the license. It's it's under the responsibility of the SLP license to log that and maintain it for two years after supervision has ended. What if you ask your SLPA to do it for you? If it's a task that they did, and she was great at it. Yeah. Yeah. But technically, I mean, when I was done supervising, we would just sign off on it and then put upload it into like a Google folder and I would maintain it that way. So I don't think they can help collect the data. It's not that even for um, other things, they're collecting data for you to review. Right. And then the other thing is, I mean, you guys already know this, but SLP Toolkit (laughs) is definitely... I've heard of that. I've heard of that. Um, You know, I've been using it for two years with every one of my teams, and none of them would ever go without it now because they can see everything that they need to 
by just logging in. So as a supervisor, they can log in, they can see the notes, they can see the sessions, they can see the progress monitoring updates, they can, you know, they'll put in summaries in the notes. So they try to use that for every possible piece because then they're only looking in one system instead of, I need to look in IEP Pro and see what their goal is. Oh no, I can see it in here. Oh, I need to now look in Synergy to figure out, did they, did they log all of the notes they were supposed to log? Or not Synergy, I mean um, Desktop or Go Solutions. So when you think about all of the systems that we have to use, using right. SLP Toolkit and having everything in there then makes it easier for us to just copy out of that system into the others. Well, even for SLPs not working mm -hmm. with SLPAs, that was right. kind of what we were thinking is wanting it to be in one collective space instead yeah. of it being all, you know, we still have to put it in other places. Yeah. yeah. But going back to what SLPAs can and can't do, if um, how do your SLPAs use SLP Toolkit then? Yep. So they keep all of their notes for every session and the amount of minutes they've provided. Um, the treatment notes, they do a group note saying like, okay, if they did a certain activity and there were three kids in there, they talk about what they did in that group note without student-specific names. And then they chart on the student-specific goals in there. Um, they also, some of the progress monitoring tools, um, we use that for our quarterly, before we do a quarterly progress report. So they'll go in and do They collect pieces. the data. They collect, they collect the, the data. They can do that. Correct. Right. They yep. can collect it. And I the think same with the present level assessments. The assessments. They're collecting the data. Yeah. They're not interpreting any of it. It is a yes or a no. Did they do it? Did they not? Make a note. And then as an SLP. And they are allowed to do that. We are and going I, in and then interpreting. I think people think, oh, it's an assessment. They can't do no. it. But they can. It's like not a screening. standardized evaluation, Correct. and they're not interpreting it. The only part that could be considered interpretive is the language sample, those kind of open-ended. And those but we skip. You, okay. So our SL, okay. so my personal, the ones that we do, our teams, they do all of the present level assessment except the language sample and the narrative. Okay. So those first couple. They, do they record they one for you? Yes. So okay. then they record a sample, drop it into, again, Google Drive. Yeah. Yeah. And then we can always go listen to it. And even when they do something with like an articulation kit, so if they do like the present level for articulation, we have them record it and put in a sample and then we go perfect. listen and do that's the actual perfect. recording, but they're using the list that's there. If they're uploading all those files to Google Drive, by the way, they can attach them with that paperclip in any of the ah, students' data. I know, I always forget to, to tell know. people that. So you know, you could actually put the language sample in there, but yes. Yes, oh my gosh, it's, I'm so glad because it is, it's one of those things where... Um, I think one of the trickiest things is is if the SLPA is seeing that student a lot more than you are, and then you're the one who has to go in and write an IEP for that kid and pick new goals. Right. You have to like before you would just have to trust that they took decent enough data or that they mm -hmm. that they have the skill set to be able to give you that information. But the present level assessments, if they collect that data for you, you're going to have a pretty good understanding where that kid's at. Yeah. That's awesome. And we've Happy also been that. doing a lot of training with goals because, you know, as a state, goals are always the thing being audited, especially in our schools, and being found out of compliance because right. people are putting too many things in goals and they're not doing a baseline that matches the goal. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's where I think, again, in having it in toolkit, you know, you can put that in there and then you can put the baseline. And, um, then they can see, okay, here was the baseline, and as an SLP, I can be looking in that without having to go back and look at four quarters of notes. Right. Everything right. is right here on one screen. And then if I'm like, you know, I'd like you to do this progress monitoring assessment and gather this piece, then I can go 
add that in real quickly and then send them, shoot them a message. And then, then, you know, they'll email me back when they have it done. So I think it gives a good overall picture of everything you're doing as an SLPA for me as a supervisor to see in one place. That's awesome. We did not pay her to say that. We didn't (laughs) ask her to say it. That just came from her. That's so cool. We love to hear stuff like that. It is. And all of my SLP, they all say the same thing. Cool. Because once you do it, um, and the one thing that we're looking at for next year is we're trying to get everybody to use it exactly the same way Mm -hmm. because you can do kind of your own take on what you yes, put where. Absolutely. Um, but having that we have multiple people that have been supervisors, we're now taking their input to say, okay, what is the best way and the most efficient way to see this data when you're looking at it from a supervisor? And we're we're planning on having all of our SLPAs doing training and having them do it exactly the same. That's so that awesome. then I as the manager can go in at any time and make sure, okay, yes, they're doing it. And then the SLP supervisor can see it. And then it has that consistency of we're all transparent. We all see if a supervisor switches because we all know things happen. People have babies in our field. Lots of them. (laughs) Right. Right. So when they go on leave and someone else comes in, they can easily come in and see, okay, it's all the same thing. Yes. Different kids. But the format's the same. Yes. The way we're using it is the same. So oh just gosh, as so a company. Much so much better for the SLPAs. Yeah. That is my goal is yes. to keep. And that's kind of the refinement that we learned through this year being the second year that we used it. And she can write recommendations for us that we'll yeah. just share with everyone. That's great. Yes. That would be lovely, So how actually. do we use it yes. consistently yes. between yes. each one? Yes. Because I do. I think, oh, that's got to be so hard. I remember the SLPA I had worked with, I think, two or three other SLPs. And all of us required different things in our notes. We had different data forms. We had different, like, organization systems for how to store things. And I thought, oh, gosh, how could you ever keep this all straight? Right? Yeah. Oh, that's, I like that. I like the uniform of that. And that's one thing. I do think that's the district's job, or um, in in your case, the company's job, who's providing the SLPAs out to districts to provide continuing education and support. I mean, we really need to be doing a better job of that. And then because even, we want this to be successful. This is a yes. win-win right. for everyone. I think it's a win-win too. I fully support this. That would be my confession. Is I am in. I am. I want this to be successful for everybody. Well, it's the same kind of grievances across the country when it comes to what our issues are at working as SLPs. Right. And it's usually my caseload's too high. I don't have enough support. There's this, that, and the other. If we are able to get more support in our field, yes. that helps us. We have more people in the field. It helps students. All about the kids. It's for the children. It's all for the children. And you can't see, but usually when we say it's for the children, it's with a hand motion. It's like an emoji. Like a sweeping (laughs) hand for the children. children. Um, so I, I love, I'm glad Ash is going to get on board. Hopefully, hey, maybe we'll do a follow-up after that all goes through and we can talk about what that starts to look like. Again, I think it's unfortunate that we're a little behind the times there. Right. But you know what? As long as we catch up eventually. Yeah. Anything else? Was there any other? No, I think we covered kind of what we wanted to cover coming into this. And this is actually our last podcast of the season, isn't it? No, wait. Yeah, we ended with a bang. Yeah. So we're going to do season two, obviously, because we're not going to disappear, but it'll be a while before you hear this lovely voice again. Which one? Mine. Oh, okay. Um, (laughs) But we have loved having you in here. I think this is super helpful. I love being here. I am so too. um, we also I think it's a great conversation that needs to be had, and because it is so new and so um, just un- unstructured right yeah, now, we'll and get unfamiliar there. Familiar and yeah, yep. 
But the biggest thing is don't be afraid. It can be a yes. really awesome experience. I can honestly say I've not worked with any SLPAs um, personally that I, it was just a complete disaster. It was more about there might be breakdowns in communication that, and maybe some training that needed to happen, but you put that investment right. in and you get just like a hundredfold back. Right. Because right. there, and think about how many people too, I used to love having somebody that, that was in my field working with me right. because I felt so isolated most of the time being the only SLP on a campus. So it was right. like a little speech team. I do think I always got real lucky though, because there is personality conflicts. There's not like even even amongst SLPs, right? We're all kind of different, and there I, we always say there's like two camps of us. <laughs> but the SLPAs tend to be more flexible. Yeah, yeah, I do think yeah. so. I think it's the SLPs tend to be more rigid in certain ways, but it goes back into I think even what we were saying before. Everything's done fast, including assessment of students, working with students, right. what we want to have done. We're always like fourteen yeah, steps yeah. ahead, so we just need to. Pause, yeah. slow, pause. slow yes. down for just a minute and make sure that this person is feeling like they can keep up pace with you. And it really does. It becomes like such a, a rhythm working with, you know, somebody else that and they're, they're wanting to do a good job yeah. for you and wanting to do a good job with these students. Did you ever, Amy, do you ever have any? They're like oil and water cannot work together. Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah. 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 Why do I feel like you're just like a referee a lot? Aren't you? Are <laughs> you? Is that your second job title? <laughs> that's my that's third job third, title. Fourth, do you drink fourth. a lot of wine? <laughs> yes. Some days. Yeah. Some days. Yeah. And is it just because we're all women? I think that's a lot of it. <laughs> but, Rude, but there are some men and I mean, they've, you know, I haven't had as many things happen with the men that have supervisory, See. supervisee relationships. Yikes. So I think a lot of it is, it's just that female, I'm a strong personality yeah. and I, I really think it's, we walk too fast, we talk too fast yeah. and we forget that we're 50 steps ahead of where they're at and we have to just take a moment and go back and help them. Well, and it goes back to what you yeah. said of, I think we have infinite tolerance for kids or, mm-hmm. you know, whoever it is that we're working with, mm-hmm. but not the adults always. Right. Yep. Fantastic. Couldn't leave on a better note. Yeah. We um, have loved having you in here. Yeah. Thank you, Thank so, you much. so much. And um, for all of you listening, if you can take a minute to rate and review us, um, only if you like what you hear. Just kidding. Yeah, only if you have something kidding, nice not to kidding. say. No, but that really helps. I think anybody that's looking for SLP podcast out there, um, they can Absolutely. look at the reviews and uh, it's very helpful. Yes. And then we'll see you for season two. Yeah. I don't know when. Someday. All right. Bye, guys. Bye.